Welcome to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show, now a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Rick, find us in many more fantastic podcasts at FullTimeFantasy.com, on the tweeters at FullTimeFantasy. Not only, Rick, do you get great podcasts, most notably this one, but a one-stop shop for the best fantasy content on those interwebs. Rick, we are back. It's ju- almost July. There's nothing I, to talk about. That is what's crazy to me, Rick, to be honest with you. Yeah, we are Fleeger and Briggs. This is the Asylum Sports Show. Like Rick said, full, full-time full fantasy podcast network. It, it It's amazing that it's almost July. It just We're up here in north, northwest PA, and it just seems like we have two days of warm weather and it's already it's almost july right well, i mean <laughs> it's because we have because it's rained non-stop since uh march i believe well it snowed until april and then it's right. rained non-stop till then 45 degree nights 94 degree afternoons with nothing but rain showers it, it's been a fun time here in western pa boy you're not kidding you know you can uh, jump on full-time fantasy podcast network Listen to your boys here at the Asylum. There's plenty of other guys uh, to take a listen to, you know, just to name a couple. The FF Consistency Show or their boy Bob Lung, uh, FF fo- or the Fantasy Football Roundtable, FF Faceoff, and many others. So get on there. And, I mean, you're set. You don't have to go anywhere else, yeah. period. That's all I do. Just hit play and let that blicky run, and you're in good shape. And, of course, if you want to follow us at Asylum Football on Twitter, and if you want to be part of the show, ask a question, hurl an insult Rick's way, whatever you want to do, asylumfootball at gmail.com. So, that time of year, Rick, still, you know, I always like to start off the show with a few headlines. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't a whole heck of a lot going on. Uh, some conjecture out there that Tyreek Hill could be suspended uh, over the next several weeks. Interesting. It, it, you know, it, it's extremely interesting with this whole Tyreek Hill thing. Um, and, and it goes back to, look, we know he's not a nice guy. Oh, no, he's an ass. There's right. no question about it. And, and it goes back to the, who was it, the Ezekiel Elliott. Right. No Same charges. Thing. There's no charges pending even. It's done. Investigation's over. When it seemed to me, and we're probably not even allowed to say this in today's world, I hope this is true. I guess I'm not certain it's true, but I hope it's true by the way some of the things I read were reported that not only not charged, this accusation was found almost completely unfounded. It was just flat not true, you know. So I don't know what the suspension's for other than being a bad guy. We know he had the incident, you know, with the girlfriend in the right. past. Is this a makeup call for that? I really don't know, but the the conjecture seems to be, you know, eight games similar to a Kareem yeah. Hunt. It's it's uh, I I'm sorry it's it's bizarre. Look, I don't care if he ever played another game. Right. I mean, I, I have no feelings one way or another of sympathy or empathy of being falsely accused or anything of that nature. It's purely just back to the NFL dictating actions of some sort. You know what I'm saying? But it, and of it's what never sort? It but makes that's no what I'm sense. saying. It's just it's like they always have to be doing something even though it's not consistent and lots of times it doesn't make sense. When you have guys like what was it, Le'Veon Bell, 
was charged with a crime a few years ago. Right. And he had, what, three or four games, and it was reduced to, to two, two or three, something, something like of that, that nature. Yeah. And yet, here's something where there are no charges, and yet we're talking about half a year. Right. And which, I don't know. I, I Look, this domestic violence stuff is certainly you don't, you can never tolerate it. It's despicable. But on the same token, she basically admitted she made it up to get him in trouble. If there are no charges, how do you suspend this guy? Right. And, and I, I guess don't... here's the question. If it was true, if it was proven true, right. he should never play again. Ray Rice. Right. <laughs> he should never play again. You know, eight games wouldn't be enough. A year wouldn't be enough. Bingo. You know, to this level, to break a child's arm under the auspice of discipline or whatever it was, he should never play right. again. If it was maybe not necessarily proven true, but everybody's pretty sure it was true, now this is where this eight game fits in. Where we stand now, unless the league, unless the Chiefs, unless somebody has a heck of a lot more than they told us, wow, boy, you don't want to take up the mantle for this guy with these accusations. Are the accusations themselves enough to justify is it a where there's smoke, there's fire, so you, we're going to suspend the guy anyhow? Boy, I don't want to be in the position of defending him, but this, to your point, it's just bizarre. It really seems strange that for this matter and this matter alone, you know, I'm not going to put my personal opinion on whether, whether I think it actually happened or right. not. I was told by – I wasn't told. We were told by the authorities – that it did not happen. Oh, I was. They called up. Well, I, I took the call. You were busy. Oh, well, I, I got a lot going on. Yeah. I got a lot of plates in the Right. So, I don't know. I get a weird feeling about this because you, you kind of go from, you know, not only should he never play again, but we should lop off his head when it's, you know, being reported as fact that this is right. what happened to there was kind of no gray area. We swung clear back to the other way. It's been determined he had nothing to do with his child breaking his arm and the girlfriend, wife, whatever she is coming out and saying, well, yeah, I kind of made that up my flat. Right. You know what I mean? Right. We took such, I get an icky feeling about the whole thing, but the suspension doesn't make sense. And another me. thing that really bothers me is the fact that it, and look, it's purely selfish from the asylum's point of view, because it is all about us. But from a pa- fantasy perspective, yeah, I kind of like to know ahead of time while well, we're starting yeah. to make some drafts yeah, here. Yeah, that'd be nice. But from a pure business standpoint, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, wouldn't you love to know if Lord Goodell is going to come right. down with a hammer while you're trying to put a team together Do you think to get just, to the Super Bowl? Do you think they just cut him? I don't know. If there were charges, certainly. And I think he'd be like a Ray Rice. No one would touch him ever again, and that would be the right thing to do. But, no, does he get suspended and cut? I doubt it. I doubt very seriously. I just think it would make more sense to me, based on this icky feeling I have, for the Chiefs to kind of have that same icky feeling. And you know what? We've already got him. We threw him out of the building, suspended from all operations and pending this issue. You know, it'd be easier for the team just to cut bait and say, you know what, too much. The PR hit was too bad. Just, just go away. Just, you're finished. You're out of here. Then easier for that, and would make more sense to me than the league suspending him based on what I, I, I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, but see, they cut him. Then the Patriots sign him. They win another Super you're Bowl. You're right. Well, yeah. yeah, and that's what'll happen. He'll be suspended eight games. 
he'll come back in the other eight. He'll do nothing for seven of the eight, and then he'll be the best receiver in the history of playoff football. You're right. You're right that that's what will happen. I don't know. This is so hard to talk about. I still have my suspicions. It was just a little too cut and dry one way to the complete polar opposite the other one. The whole thing's just icky to me. That's the best word I can come up and with. And not icky Woods either. No, no. I like icky Woods. The Chiefs could bring him back. Yeah. Or that was the Bengals. Who am I thinking of? Christian Okoye. Yeah, Okoye. Yeah. But- well, I don't know why I'd conflate those two, but I did. All right, the only other story I have, Rick, and this one infuriates me. Have you seen what is apparently going to be the law of the land in the NFL, re the pass interference rules and the challenging of said rules in the upcoming year? This is maddening it's, to me. I, I I don't even know what. To, if it wasn't for fantasy football, I'm not sure what I'd be doing on Sundays <sighs> any longer. To be quite frank about it, because it is getting to the point, it's ridiculous. I don't know what else to say. It's ridiculous. They're, they're, they turn everything into a circus. Right. Because in the last two minutes of a close game, we are going to be passing on every down. And every down, there's going to be close coverage. It is literally going to take an hour and a half to play the last two minutes of a close NFL football game. This is ridiculous. Look, I get what they're trying to do. And that it was- says, in an effort to limit excessive stoppages, any stoppage will occur under stricter criteria than other reviewable players calls will only be reversed based on clear and obvious visual evidence that's just not but that true. doesn't matter it how do you get clear and obvious visual evidence um that an incorrect call was made if you don't stop play yeah. and look at it right it's it, it it's nonsense it's complete and utter nonsense and i'd go so far as to say and when it's all because of referees behaving like boobs in the Rams-Saints game. Right. Which was, I mean, Ray Charles could have saw that call. Right, I mean, right. And yet they ignore it. And now we have to go through this agonizing process of every stinking play? And here's the problem. I believe there should be room for judgment from an official, if it's an official you can trust, even outside of the rule. Here's what I mean, Rick. All right. So there's some contact going down the field. Ultimately, it doesn't impede the receiver's ability to get the ball, the receiver's ability to see the ball. It doesn't impede the receiver's ability to move his arms. There may be some contact there that the referees acknowledge. And and you always hear, you know, a good announcer, you know, will acknowledge, all right, well, there was a lot of contact there. But the ball wasn't on time anyhow. The he had a, still had an opportunity to make the play. This was by the book pass interference, but really it didn't affect the play. Good no call. That doesn't exist anymore. No. I, I don't know when the last time you watched a major league baseball game is, but the implementation of review there has made you watch it now. You know what? Another oh. thing that takes an hour and a half every time there's a play at second base, the second baseman or shortstop holding his glove on top of the runner for four and a half hours, waiting for him to sneeze and his fingertip right. to come off the bag. Because now, again, there used to be some discretion there, and the umpires let it go too far with the halo play. You know, with all right. of that, they let it go too far. So now we're down to the the millimeter. You know, and a guy pops up off the bag just ever so. 
slightly, and now we have to reverse that call. That's what we're going to have on this pass interference. Again, 56 minutes of the game. If you want to use all your challenges on that, say la vie, go for it. But this in the last two minutes is nonsense. And the problem is it's you made it too complicated. And the thing is, Rick, you talk about football, you talk about baseball, you get into basketball, and the, the stepchild of the big four, the NHL, is getting it right yet again. They took, they just re, um, revamped the rules on on goalie interference calls. Right. And people, you know, they they had that play implemented, and coaches were using it basically to get a breather. Hey, take a look at that. You sure he didn't interfere with that? Right. Okay. Well, now all of a sudden, you have a two minute minor. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I like about the NHL, they will change the rules yeah. in the middle of a game. And if, they if have and to. if you do it again, I think it's a a, a two a, or double four minute. minute excuse me, yeah, double, double minor. If I could get Spit it out of it my out. head here t- t- today, but that's the thing, make it penalize the NFL, not this timeout crap. Right. You know, give them a fifteen yard penalty. See how they like that well, if Mike, they're wrong. Mike Tomlin would. Oh, they'd be bad. They'd have a safety every every time. He'd be in the parking lot. <laughs> I mean, it's not that difficult. I'm agreeing with you. It's I just want, a million. I want somebody sitting there overseeing the whole thing who has carte blanche, who has the complete and utter ability at any time to override anything the referee does or doesn't do. And it doesn't require going to the booth. It doesn't require a conversation. It's hit one button. Hey, stupid. Yes, you botched that. All right. Penalty. That that quick. That yeah. simple. Somebody and everyone who's actually the head referee is up on the 500 level. That's that's what I want to see. The NHL, for the most part, gets it right, but I'll tell you what I can't stand about them now. At no point does anybody score a goal where we don't go back and see a four minutes prior when they made the initial entry into the offensive zone and if he was outside. Right. And now we're, we're twisting angles and picking things up and down and looking at it upside down to see if the, the toe pick on his skate blade is still on the blue line or not. The whole thing just muddies it. Puts somebody else up there who's looking straight down at it, has the benefit of 10 seconds of quick TV replay. Because if you can't make that determination, if you have to stop the game to make that determination, then it wasn't blatant. It wasn't exactly. obvious. You could even make it where the folks in the stands and on TV don't even know what happened. You buzz him, get in his ear, say, right. that's a flag. Stand up there and make the announcement. 90% of people wouldn't notice the flag never actually came out as long as you go make the announcement. Just, this is absurd, and I, I don't even want to think about what it's going to look like. You suck, and so does fantasy football. That's true. That's right. So we better start talking a little bit about fantasy football, uh, do mister. we have to? Oh, yes, we do, fantasy. because we've got a lot of, of groundwork to lay before training camp starts. Genius, okay? No wife, no job, yeah. just pure football knowledge. Let's put him on the board. House Mazzoli. Got it. Championship. I don't know how those two got looped together, but I kind of like it. Yeah, I don't either. We never used to Very be that weird. way. It's on, I had them on separate buttons, and they're, they're looped together. But I enjoy it. All right, Rick, what do you want to do first? AFC South? I think so. I will right. just move right through the east, north, and uh, we'll go south and then head out west I before like we go it. to the NFC. There's just not a lot of weakness fantasy-wise on this Indianapolis Colt team. I think they brought in Devin Funches. Very unspectacular in Carolina, but, you know, there's a lot of them like that in Carolina that are unspectacular. Seems to be. So do you think he turns the corner? Let's start with Devin Funches. He might be the biggest 
Look, we know who T.Y. Hilton is, right? Right. I think we know who Marlon Mack is. We could talk a little bit about what's coming up behind Mack. But for me, this is all about Devin Funches. Yeah. Could be I mean, a better situation, right? And th- this is a guy I know you, you've had guy love for since he came into the league. And, boy, he'll show those flashes and then right back down and show flashes. When you got a guy, you know, 6'4", 236, just huge, seems like he has good hands. But, you know, he this is the stat coming off a year, 44, 550, and four touchdowns. Yeah. That feels like that's been every stat line he's ever had. I don't – Sometimes you watch him play, he looks dominant, 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 or dominant. dominant for our English-speaking friends out there. Other times he looks disinterested and lazy. I, I don't know what to make of him. This is, he's going to have to show me. Now, he's become kind of a running joke in, on fantasy Twitter, you know, that if you even draft Devin Funches, you will be mocked mercifully. At the right, right price tag, I'd love to have this dude stashed. I really would, but, boy, I just don't know. He's going to have to show me. He really is. He's going to have to show me, too, but I'll tell you what, there's been more than one player in the league that has been questioned with work ethic, et cetera, et cetera, go to a different situation. Look, he's going to – look, Carolina is – it's Cam Newton first. Oh, absolutely. Period, okay? Christian McCaffrey, now that he's gotten his health bag, his wheels under him, now he's right there, and I know Cam is, is really hoping Greg Olson's healthy this year. Every, everything else is an afterthought in Carolina. Right, right. In Indianapolis, this is a high-powered right. machine. And Andrew Luck is more – and I and I love the general Andrew Luck on Twitter, too. So <laughs> that's you can a check good that, follow, baby. That is a good follow, yeah. But he is also a better field general than Cam Newton. Right. And I, and I know – Y'all get a lot of this. There's so much love for Cam Newton out there. And as an ath- pure athlete, man, I'm right there with you. But when they're not playing well, I look, at he pouts. Oh, uh, you know, he looks great, great with the derby. Great yeah, There's great no hats. doubt about that. But, but he pouts on the sideline. He pouts in the press conferences. And he just doesn't have that fire to rally a team around him it just it, right and and i'll say that until he proves me wrong i mean he's a, a kind of a show me guy too but andrew like i tell you what funchess is not going to get away with any of that kind of behavior i mean you you look at the, the kind of behavior that that was instilled calvin benjamin in, in carolina right and then Fungus came, Fungus came in, what, a year after Benjamin. We thought, okay, well, maybe these guys. They even look the same in a helmet, yeah. right? Very, very different looking, right. actually, but look the same in a helmet. Both kind of look lethargic and slow and disinterested. I don't know if that's the case or it's what you just said. You know what? This isn't even a knock on Cam Newton. No. Both. Both Andrew Luck and Cam Newton are top-flight NFL quarterbacks. They just do it in very different ways, in very different offenses. So I get the question is, and we're going to get it answered this year, when you take a guy like Funches, take him out of that Carolina situation, put him into this high-powered, you know, accurate pocket-passing type of offense under an Andrew Luck, does he shine or does it expose, does it prove out that perhaps – 
he is a little lazy. He's not a good route runner. I don't. There's no way to answer that right now. No, there's no way to answer. But I can probably be pretty accurate in saying that in this system under Frank Wright, I tell you what, he could surprise. He could be some real sneaky value fantasy wise. Frank Reich already saw said that he was pleased with what he saw from him in the offseason program. Take that for what it's worth. They always talk positive. Right. So, but, you know, let's move on from that. We got Luck. We got Mack. We got Hilton. Interesting thing um, thing to take a look at. Eric Ebron last year, 66 catches, 750 yards, 13 touchdowns. The year before, Jack Doyle, 80 catches. You know what? I think 600 and some yards, 91 yards, I believe it was. He, he's back. Right. Now... Where's the value of these tight ends? Yeah, this is tough to put put your finger on because, you know, first of all, watching Eric Ebron do what he did last year was so much fun. Just in a lot of it deserved, I grant you, but the snark surrounding Eric Ebron, you know, you know how the nerd community that we tend to be part of will latch on to some narrative and just beat it into the ground and Eric Ebron was one of those guys and watching week after week as he scored touchdown after touchdown and listening to all these a-holes tell me how it's an aberration and it won't happen again next week and then it happened again next week and to do that for 17 weeks was so much fun for me so it's hard for me not to root for Ebron you know Jack Doyle I think has showed himself to be a very very reliable option However, I you can't turn your back, Rick, on 13 touchdowns. That is a buttload of touchdowns. I don't know if you, you realize that, but on the measuring scale, this is a scientific term, that is a buttload of touchdowns for, for a tight end. He had three more touchdowns than Travis Kelsey. Right. I mean, so and, – and this guy is big. He's strong. Look, he had a couple of decent years in Detroit – I think 2016, he had like 61 catches, about 711 yards. But that being said, you know, Detroit is basically a a tight end graveyard. It's not – it's just not one of those positions that are – Not Brandon Pettigrew has there been anybody to speak of. Yeah, and and you saw how that plummeted. Right. Very quickly um, in Detroit. But anyway, that aside – yeah, six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound tight end, and he can get up and get it. I'm just still concerned that Jack Doyle isn't going away. And where do you draft an Eric Ebron? You know, I think it's time for our favorite game. Oh, he's down there. Look, I'm less concerned about Doyle than you are. I think Doyle. Look, you don't accidentally catch eighty balls in the NFL. I grant you that. But he's Jack Doyle. Eric Ebron came into this league with a pedigree, right? He came into this league with a name. He's kind of a name brand. He proved himself. Now, the catch numbers, that 20-catch difference, you know, the 60 he had last year versus the 80 Doyle had the year before, I think Doyle gets his. But this hurts Doyle a lot more than it hurts. I think the 13 touchdowns is probably a pipe dream. I'm not certain that happens again. But he could be close to, you know, 9, 10, somewhere in there. I think 60 catches is probably the ceiling for Ebron. So now I think you see Jack Doyle regress back to 50, 60 catches somewhere in there with Ebron taking the bulk of the red zone. But this is is the muddled mess that the tight end position is. 
He's behind Kelsey. He's behind Ertz. He's right. behind Kittle. Right. We know that. Okay. Now let's just play. Austin Hooper. Uh, boy, that that's right in line. I I might take Ebron over Hooper. Cook. With the Saints. A cook. Okay. Kyle Rudolph. I'm going to take Ebron in that one. Trey Burton. Burton. Njoku. Njoku. Vance McDonald. If he plays even 12 games, that's Vance McDonald. It's not even close, so I'm going to go with McDonald and hope he stays healthy. Okay, I mean, there's just you know, Jimmy Graham in Green Bay. Yeah, give me Ebron there. Yeah, me too, man. Evan Ingram, there's a lot of hype on Evan Ingram I'll, I'll this year. I'll take Ingram. I think Ingram's a top five guy, tight end-wise, obviously. Well, Not yeah. in the league. <laughs> I, I, okay, I mean, he, he had a 45-catch year last year, and it, I just – He's just going to be a bigger part of that offense than he, I guess he's going to have to be with that. offense, yeah. Yeah. It's Shepard and it's him, and I guess Golden Tate's up there now, but I don't – we'll, I mean, we'll get into that. It's, it's a mess, tight end-wise. Oh, it is. And Jack it Doyle's going to fit in there somewhere as well, yeah. I think. But I, I don't think he gets anywhere near that 80 – that 80 catch plateau he saw two years ago not not with ebron on the field just monitor training camp and and and, and follow the adps and, and get on um full-time fantasy we've got your adp lists that you can um take a look at and just follow that that's all you need to do and um you know just kind of monitor you know what they're saying some of the roles are we'll keep you up to date on that who knows? Somebody may have a blowed ACL by the time training camp, you know, is, is through. So, you know, a lot of this talk well, could probably be probably by nonsense. the time this hits the air, one of Ebron or Doyle will be gone. Well, that year. is one nice thing about what you were saying about there's not a ton of headlines. It has been a nice year of not talking about somebody out for the year. Right, right. Because they blew something. So, you know, we can knock on wood for that one. Okay, Houston, your Houston Texans. My Houston Texans. The the offensive juggernaut of Hopkins and Watson, and then um, then it gets a little vanilla after that. <laughs> it gets more than vanilla. So Watson, just wow. Yeah, I think what he came back with last year, coming off that injury, you know, started just blazing hot has the injury, goes out, comes back, starts a little slow. When eight years over, 68% completion, only through nine interceptions, rushed 100 times for over 500 yards, five more TDs. This kid's a real dude. He can step back there and he can fling it. He can also run. He's sort of the perfect blend, kind of Mike Vick at his best. I don't, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about Deshaun Watson. It's even worth talking about DeAndre Hopkins. He's the best wide receiver in the league for me. It's not even close for me. We know, we know all Other of the, guys may finish with better numbers. There is not a better pass catcher, route runner in the National Football League. Right, and, and I'm – I'm right there with you. His name's DeAndre Hopkins. It's not Nyak and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> that really bothers <laughs> It does. It's one of these things. But you want to irritate Rick Briggs, give all these players nicknames and refer to him as that on Twitter. He will call me in the middle of the night screaming about this. <laughs> Who the F is Nuck? What are they talking about? This is ridiculous. You, you know the one I hate now? 
Have you seen this one? It's they call it like a social experiment or something. It's every other tweet on our feed is without looking at the mentions, name the first yeah. pit panther that comes to mind. Who cares? Shut right. up. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Stop. It that. doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're 80, it'll be somebody before Tony Dorsett. Right. Yeah. You know, Mike Dicka. Yeah. If you're my age, it's James. It's, uh, LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. If you're younger than me, it's James Conner. And that, but yeah. why do we do it? It's for, for everything. It's nonstop. I can't stand it. I'm screaming at my phone while I'm sitting on the toilet. It drives me nuts. I know. You, you shouldn't look at your phone while you're on the toilet. It's where I do my tweeting. Otherwise, I'd never see it. Exactly. But I don't know. I mean, the Houston Texans are, you know, Lamar Miller, he's going to be a fantasy player. But. You know, look, this guy, he's going to have probably your eight, 900 yards, even if he stays healthy. And, you know, not a lot of touchdown production. He had 210 carries last year. One of these years, Foreman's going to stay healthy, and then we're going to see. Willie? That's the question. (laughs) Willie? I don't know. I mean, I'm saying it's kind of like Frank Gore's going to retire someday, but we just don't know when. Right. The same thing with Deontay Foreman. He's going to be healthy someday. If that day ever comes, I think you're going to see Lamar Miller's value, like, pfft, yeah. I mean, really quickly. But until it's then. It's all about volume with him right now. I mean, this is a 4.4 yard per carry guy. Yeah. Only caught 25 balls. You know, he's going to be 28 years old, you know, when the season starts. He's a guy who's kind of been unimpressed unspectacular he's been a really really good nfl running back a really fair late low end rb2 in fantasy football that i think's on the other side of it and we keep holding our breath and waiting around for deontay foreman and he boy he looks really nice in the preseason and really nice on the practice field he's only got one little issue is he doesn't play nfl games so so here's here's this for you analytics guys. What do the numbers say? What type of production can a guy put up when he doesn't play any games? What what's that work out to on the scale, right? And that's the problem. We look at this guy. He's got all the measurables. He's exciting. He doesn't play any football. He, he no. just flat doesn't do it. I think the only guy for me outside of Hopkins and outside of Watson that I'm really interested in, but he's kind of in a similar boat is Will Fuller. Rick, he at times has shown flashes of where he puts me to mind Adam Thielen, just kind of out of nowhere, and you don't expect it, and then you look up, and he's got 15 catches and two touchdowns. But unlike Adam Thielen, then two weeks later, he's gone. You know what I mean? He's healthy this year. He looks good. I mean, what, what are we coming off of? You know, 500 yards and four TDs before that injury. But, again, he's only played, what, 17 games in two seasons? Right. Boy, if he could stay healthy, I, he's probably the one guy, and I don't know, Kiki Kuchi. Uh, Kiki Tukate, I mean, but. Kukate. Uh, we need know, to get one of these for him because I'm not even sure how you say it. Ajayi. You need yeah, to work exactly. on that, Rick. I don't know where I'll do that. that. That's, um, that's, <laughs> my, uh, that's my task. But, no, and, and that's what um, is kind of, you know, really iffy with this. Okay, look, Watson – is going to Hopkins first, <laughs> okay? Second, second and fourth, and fourth. And his third right. option's and, running. And so, yeah, and, well, maybe I'll go Hopkins first, second, fifth. Okay. Third options run. The fourth options these other guys. Yeah, is Fuller. 
for the four and a half games he's going to be but, there. But you, you know, you have Fuller, you have Coutte. I mean, that is probably, you know, split the difference between those guys of what's left. Right. And, I mean, I really like Will Fuller. He, he could turn into something – you know, more than what I'm giving him credit for right now. I would love to see some of this stuff in training. He's almost a show-me guy because, right. like you said, he doesn't play all that much, or he hasn't. And then you have um, – But Kute, Kuti, before, yeah. before you move on, he's one of those guys, Rick, all last season. The mailbag was full, at least for half the season, because he only played seven games himself. A question, you know, some reasonable established NFL wide receiver or this guy, you know, he played the better part of seven games. He had 28 catches and one touchdown. So, look, I won't even be unfair and apply it across the entire season. That's only four catches a game. What what am I missing? He must have looked real good in his underwear at the Combine for these draft Knicks. What are you missing in that offense? A guy coming off of twenty-eight catches, and he's he's all Houston. Anything you see, not Hopkins related, right now in the fantasy world, in the conversation, is him. Based on what? What, what are we talking about here? It again, it's going to be Hopkins. Then it's going to be Hopkins. Then it's going to be Hot uh, Watson, Watson running. running. Then it's going to be Fuller. Then it's going to be Hopkins again, and then it's going to be anybody else. I mean, it really is just that simple. In this offense, with that limited ability coming off of only playing seven games, it's not like he tore an ACL like Fuller. It was hamstring issues he dealt with all well, year. Quit asking got every, me questions about this. Joker. We had questions, like you said. Our mailbag was full the second half of the season. We Okay, and probably I mean, a little before that, obviously. But Indianapolis um, lost to Houston. In Indianapolis in week four, Kute had 109 yards in that game. The next week against Dallas, he had 51 yards in a touchdown. And these are his games after that, 33 and zero, three and zero. Nothing, nothing, a bye. Then he had 77 yards against the Washington Redskins in week 11. He had 14 yards against um, Tennessee in week 12, and that was it. So so all that hype off a one 100-yard game. Yeah. Now, I mean, look, I, I'm not bashing the guy. He was, he was nagged with that hamstring, I think, after week, I don't know what it was, like seven or maybe it wasn't even seven. It might have been six. I think, it, yeah, I think it was against Buffalo, maybe Jacksonville. I can't remember, but he had that. The hamstring tweak, he missed two or three games. Then the bye, he came back after the bye. Decent enough game with 77 yards, but it was always hampering. But I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of fantasy potential with this guy. But when you have Will Fuller there now, along with Hopkins, I, I, I just think that the, you know, the, the, the rations are going to be rather thin oh, in Houston. right. And I don't know, we even waste time talking about the tight ends. Jordan Thomas, who knew he was still playing football? Darren Fells, 
Jordan Atkins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nothing fantasy relevant there. No. And never really and if been they a big, are, then he's going to be picked up off the waiver wire. Yeah, never really been a big part of that offense. Really just not an inspiring team in terms of fantasy football. And in speaking of an uninspiring team in terms of fantasy stars, let's head down to your second home, Rick, Jacksonville, Florida, and talk about your boys, the Jaguars. Interesting enough, there are three people on that offense that I'm intrigued with in 2019. Number one is Nick Foles. Um, I want to see him take off um, or or to see how he takes off with command of this team and the offense. Stop, okay? Hold on, one more. All right, now go ahead. Number two, Leonard Fournette. Is he going to be able to play? I mean, that is – that's the big question. I mean, I've got red flags all over the place with Leonard Fournette. And, I mean, okay, let's, let's just take a look. In two years, last two years, he's played 21 NFL games. That's not very many. Which is missing what, 11? Yeah, not re- relative to the 32 he could have played. Now, in those 21 games, he's 401 yards, or excuse me, attempts, 1,479 yards and 14 touchdowns. He's averaging 3.7 yards a carry, and he misses, what, a third of the games? 35% of the football yeah, games. That's, that's what he likes to do. He doesn't like to play football games. There is a lot of, yeah, yeah really intrigue with Leonard Fournette because, you know what, the guy can score touchdowns. We know that. But he's got to be on the field to do it. And the third one is, look, he's coming off of what were they last year? Five and eleven with Blake Bortles, sixty-six catches, seven hundred seventeen yards, and five touchdowns. I think with Nick Foles and if they can get the run game going, D.D. Westbrook's intriguing. Look, Marquise Lee, he's coming back from a uh, ACL. He has a case of the dross most of the time anyway, and I think Westbrook very easily is the number one receiver on this offense. What that means that may in terms of fantasy. him with faint praise. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly. Yeah, but I'm telling you, the I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm giving more interest and love to a Nick Foles fantasy-wise. I, I think you are. Well, you know, so, but I, I don't think so. I, 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 I really don't think so. I outside, think he's going to have – and I'm not going to say he's not going to come out and throw 5,000 yards to these guys and, and all this kind of nonsense. That's not what I'm saying. But if he has a 4,000-yard year with 27, 28 touchdowns and just keep the, the interceptions down, they're fine. You're going to have some production on out of that offense. All right. <laughs> Those are some pretty big ifs, though. My friend, if he has a 4,000-yard year, it will by 1,200 yards exceed any other year he's ever had. He's never been a starter. Anytime he has, he has failed miserably. What they needed to do was keep that drunk Blake Bortles, let him start three games, then bring Foles in, then he takes you to the damn playoffs, if not to the Super Bowl. As a full-time starter, Nick Foles is pathetic. And keeping the interceptions down, let's go through this, 7-4, and 5-2, and 3-0, and 7-10. That's touchdowns to interceptions. 13 touchdowns to 10, 27 to 2. So that was a pretty good year back in 2013, 6 and 5. The dude 
loves to throw interceptions. He hates to throw for 3,000 yards, let alone 4,000 yards, and he hasn't succeeded as the starter. Now, he hasn't had a ton of opportunities going into the year as a number one guy, but when he has, he hasn't been that dude. You know, Westbrook, he's going to get it by default, but, boy, 66, 7, 17, and five touchdowns, I wrote down what you said. That sounds like about what I would expect from him this year. I don't know how much of a leap I see there. You know, Keelan Cole, blah, Marquise Lee, blah. For me, like I said, I'm not buying Foles. Fournette's the, the interesting one. And I don't think he's even is intriguing. I think he's an afterthought to me. There, there will not be a fantasy football team for me on which Leonard Fournette resides. This guy, Rick, through his career – He's a bruiser, a basher. He got all the hype from me and everybody else because we saw what he did in college. Despite, you know, forget to put the injuries aside, he's averaging 3.7 yards per carry for his career. I've been crushing anybody under 4.5 as we've gone through all these teams. This is 3.7. To your point, he misses one out of every three football games. We're holding on to a ghost, Rick. We're holding on to some of those just beastly, fantastic runs we saw at LSU. He's done nothing in pro football to justify being a starter for the Jacksonville Jaguars, let alone your fantasy football team. I'm cutting bait. I hope he turns around because when it's good for him, boy, it's exciting to watch, right? But no thank you. I'm out. I'm with you. I, I, I can't pull. And because, you know, and another reason when you say you're out, I mean, obviously you're going to take a Leonard Fournette at the right price. Well, yeah, in the ninth but, round, but he isn't going to be there. But when you're talking about um, running backs, um, there's no way that I can pay the price that, that he's starting to command. And I'm just – I'm going to pull up the full-time fantasy uh, ADPs right now. I mean, I'm looking at Leonard Fournette right now is right with Damian Williams from Kansas City. Okay. To me, that's just a no-brainer. Right. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll get to Damian Williams, and there's some scrutiny whether or not he's going to be like a a full-time back. But I'll tell you what, even if he's splitting time with Carlos Hyde in an Andy Reid offense – Man, you you give me Damian Williams all day long over Fournette. Let's go down. He's right now, he is one, two, three, four, five. Well, yeah, five. He's Leonard Fournette right now is 27.4 ADP. Marlon Mack is freaking 31.2. Yeah, that's not even close to Derrick Henry. I'll take Derrick Henry over him. We're going to get to him next here. Right. That, that's a conversation I want to have. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not paying the price for a guy that plays two-thirds of the game if if I can get somebody that's going to be more productive and right. I know he's going to play. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's the thing. So. And that brings us to your Tennessee my, Titans my right home. here on Full-Time Nash- Fantasy Podcast Network. Huh? Have you ever been in Nashville? I haven't. I need to go. I hear it's. A I wild love to time. go to yeah. the Nashville. Yeah, I need to get down. Maybe we'll take a show trip to Nashville. Yeah, what was that old song? I'm going to Nashville to get my Peter built. <laughs> What's this now? I'm not familiar with this. Oh, song. back in the '70s, it's some old trucker song. You know, I'm going to Nashville to get my Peter built. Peter built being a brand of truck, well, although yeah, the exactly the adolescent in me that's not what I <laughs> exactly. thought. Exactly. Well, that was the adolescent in the yeah. the person singing it. I, I'm I sure. Like... <laughs> 
This is why I keep you around. Just <laughs> that one comment a show like that. Who says that? Who knows that song, let alone could work it into a conversation about football? Well, actually, somebody that is worldly and has probably listened to the radio, you know, for music at a time or two probably would know it. Yeah, of course, he probably has to have a few years on him, too. Well, so. that's going to say most people who wouldn't get that <laughs> reference have long been dead. <laughs> Anyhow, well, I don't know. About? I have to get uh, Dave or our boy Dave Cherney on here. You think he knows about the Peterbilt? I'm sure song? he does. I'm sure he I does. What he's doing? I haven't heard from him for a while. Yeah, we'll we'll have to See talk your age? to him. Well, I was on their show back in what was it, April? Oh, that's right, right before yeah. the draft, I think it was. So yeah, I mean, there, he's still going at it. So because he's about your age, isn't he? So I worry about him a little bit too. <laughs> Close. I don't think he's got me yet. Well, nobody's as old as you, but pert near. Well, Methuselah is, but anyway, get hold back. On. Let's get back to Methuselah? Tennessee. Methuselah? What's that? Oh, I, I can't go there because. No, I don't know. I know you oh, don't. Oh, is it inappropriate? No. Oh. But it's it's just, just some, you're some showing... Star Trek junk or something? No. Oh, Lord, no. You're, you talk about Tennessee. No, I, I got to know I, what I, a Methuselah no, is. I know, but you're showing your ignorance. It's kind of like you say something from The Godfather. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, I haven't watched that I either. know. What's that, Methuselah? Just that tell is, me. That is stuff that is. Give me the Cliff Notes version. We got the Cliff Notes version of To Kill a Mockingbird here. We'll tell that story on another show when we're not so busy. What's the Cliff Notes version of Methuselah? <sighs> you could have just told me Methuselah was... Um, Methuselah was the biblical patriarch of Christianity and Judaism. And it was reportedly he said to have died at the age of 969. Oh, okay. okay. So that was, you know, he lived the longest of all figures mentioned in the Bible. But you're catching up is what you're saying. I don't think I ever will. So he was in the Bible. Yeah. So you could have just said four minutes ago... He's in the Bible when he lived to be nine fifty, and we could have moved on from there. But you had to get nine sixty nine. You had to get all snarky and snooty about because, it, like because I'm a fool. Like you I'm, are. You want our audience to believe that Rick Briggs is a freaking biblical scholar? No. Ain't nobody falling for no, that. It's just, it's just that I read things and retain information, and but not useful information. Who needs to know that? It's just common knowledge. It certainly is not. Of course it is. I want a poll. Asylumfootball at gmail.com, at asylumfootball on Twitter. Let me know if you knew anything about Methuselah before Rick Briggs brought it up. Please, at asylumfootball on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com. And that's a perfect segue, Rick, into the Tennessee Titans. And I'm going to get my Titans. boy. We'll get our boy John Bush to respond because. Well, he's a doctor or something oh like a now so he's intelligent too so now if no, no, you're intelligent not two, if not you're two if you're he's intelligent, intelligent you've already no, stuck no, that size 48 no, foot no, in your mouth it's no, coming out your you ear. just tried to compare yourself to a phd i didn't say he's smart too he is smart you're an idiot who happens to no. know what methuselah is no. all right i've traveled uh, with you i've spent time mm-hmm. with you do not compare yourself to a phd I'm in just, no way. I'm just saying, intelligence oozes out of me. I can't help it. <laughs> there are plenty of right? oozes out of you at your age. Intelligence ain't one of them. Now, for the love of Christ, can we talk about the <laughs> there Tennessee you Titans? Go. We know who he is. Well, yeah. 
Oh. He's the guy on the $20 bill, right? Jeez. Oh, no, that's somebody else. Anyhow, the Tennessee Titans. Rick, why the hell did the Titans bring Ryan Tannehill in? <sighs> to back up Marcus Mariota, who's been uh, – Is it going to be that simple? Rocky. He's been rocky and banged up. I mean, at best. Yeah. And let's let's face it. Let's face fact. Marcus Mariota has been very underwhelming, along with Jameis Winston, who yeah. were going to be the second coming of yeah, they were the one modern two. quarterbacks. Yeah. The one-two never works out like it. What are you pointing at? The the two lines. Yeah, I put it back in stereo because okay. we had some trouble. I don't know if you noticed. I air checked like the first ten minutes of last week. We lost seconds here and there. Mm. It worked itself out, and the only thing I could find was there was something wrong with the mono. So I'm going back to the stereo. It looks like the tracks are lining up. I hope. I they hope stay so. That yeah, way. even if it's a tenth of a second off, it really throws <laughs> it off. Definitely horrible. Because here's my the injury concerns with Mariota are real, and in that case, the Tannehill move makes sense. Is disappointing and as frankly bad as Ryan Tannehill's been that's a pretty good backup right that's a guy who played in one NFL football game I worry though it's been kind of up and down with Mariota you know there's remember there's a lot of hype with him last offseason got way over drafted had a rough year I just worry if Mariota gets off to a bad start we all forget how bad Tannehill really was as a starter and now you got this guy nipping at your heels is that good for Mariota bad for Mariota I don't know that I like this situation I think competition is good in camp it's good is it good in week three look I think that you know everybody if they go, I see what you're saying. If they go into the season, okay, Mariota's our guy, and Tannehill holds a clipboard. Right. Everybody was really comfortable in Philadelphia when Nick Foles was a backup, right? Right. And deservedly so. Um, yeah, you can go back, like we talked about last year. I mentioned that you're, you're not really old enough to remember. But the Colts, you know, and the Dolphins both, very comfortable having Earl Morrow as a backup. Right. And he took him to Super Bowls. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a very quality no, I agree. backup. But this is the first year Ryan Tannehill's been a backup. Well, which yeah, leaves but that it isn't the first down. year he stunk. Well, that's, okay, that's and fair. I'll give you that. So, and let, let's face it, this is. I think that it's a better situation for Mariota too because, I think they discovered something that. I banked on early in the year, but they didn't seem to discover it until about week 10 last year that Derrick Henry can run over people and carry a game. Yeah. yeah. He can run the football. And then other people can be more productive. Right. You know, so, you know, you you got Corey Davis. They added Adam Humphreys. Um, rookie A.J. Brown, Delaney Walker's back. I think just everything's lining up better offensively for Mariota to succeed, and I don't think he really has to look over his shoulder. Okay, then that's my question. Yeah, I, I just I think, wonder. I, I think that Miami was ready for a change, and Tennessee needed a quality backup. And he's heading over to the control room trying to see if what he did say was actually true. I was just looking at the clock. We're almost an hour already. Right? Well, okay, we're through the South. Yeah, we're going to be working – well, I, we can't move on quite yet. So, Derrick Henry. Yeah. What we saw in the beginning of his career, is that who Derrick Henry is? What we saw in the second half of last season, who is Derrick Henry? You talk about an enigma. He appears We saw to, what he can be. Yeah, when they use him. And, and I think 
that that's what they need to do. The line was opening up some holes for him, and he was exploiting that and making holes of his own. And That was the difference in that second half of the year. Right. Running hard, you might have found something. He had just missed five yards of carry, 12 touchdowns. You know, and then Deion Lewis, you know, comes in, only gets 155 carries, but he goes over 500 yards. You know, surprised his reception numbers were as low as they were at 59 or 60. I think they found the perfect balance. You know, it's a matter of, I don't know, was it ever a work ethic thing, what it was with Derrick Henry, that it just clicked? Was it usage? Was it, I, I don't really know. I tend to believe, I'm I'm a Derrick Henry truther, I guess, to use a term way often too used in, in this industry. I'm buying in. I'm probably going to overpay for Derrick Henry in a few spots. It, it was so you – know, a lot of them were that 200-yard game or 500-yard game Well, and that's the thing. I mean, let, let's but, not – you know, I don't want to get carried away with Derrick Henry because he had a 238-yard, four-touchdown game against Jacksonville and the next week 170 yards and two touchdowns against the Giants – but, uh, you know, and, and they finished the year with 84 yards and a touchdown against the Skins. But before that, I'm just looking through here, I mean, his highest yard total was 58 yards. Yeah, that's what concerns you. And, but you can't fake 12 touchdowns. That's a number that sticks out to me. No. No, you can't. And, he had, of course, he had eight of them in the last four weeks well, of the year. It, there, <laughs> there's can. certain things that you can fake, but the consistency of it, and, Bob, that was for you, you have to pay attention right off the beginning. I mean, watch some of it in um, training camp and it, try to pay attention. I don't know if they tell the truth, you know, how they're going to try to set their offenses and so forth. But I think for this team to be successful, it's going to have to run through him and to have Mariota capitalize off the running game that they're, that teams should have to fear and respect. Right. So I mean, I think he's I think he's certainly worth having. Um, I th- I still think he's a he's a good th- late third, early fourth round pickup. Right. And you know, an, good an RB two, good yeah. RB one. If you go zero RB, right. if anybody still does that. Corey Davis, Rick, does he, he take that step into the conversation, a top, you know, 12 to 15, 16 fantasy-wide receivers? No, I, I, I don't think so. Not with the, the glut of wide receivers out there and the way that this offense flows for Tennessee. I just don't think that it's going to be um, a wide receiver-dominated offense, number one. I think and, that's the big thing. I think I Corey think Davis in is, Pittsburgh would be a 100-catch guy. I don't think they're, you're going to see a 100-catch guy in Tennessee, if that makes sense. If he was one of those type of guys, Rick, I think he would have to be show me something a little I, – look, I like him. He's a good athlete. He's a good receiver. I mean, I think his numbers tick up somewhat. But, I, you know, he's not in a high-powered offense – and I just don't see where – okay, look, Randy Moss, Antonio Brown, these kind of guys, they get the targets. Right. I mean, I think you have Davis, Humphreys, you know, A.J. Brown and who and all the other guys named Mo. not to mention – Tajay Sharp still there, Taylor Taylor, who is the and new Delaney Bouchard Perryman. Walker, who used to be Mariota's boy. Yeah, Walker's the big one. So, I no, I don't see his targets going up, so – nearly as much as what you would like so i don't see his numbers 
taking that massive jump either. Yeah, I think they take a little bit of a jump. I mean, he's coming off a of 65, just short of 900, four TDs. So I, I think he takes a nice bump up, and he's a good low end two, high end three. You know, we, we can have that debate. You know, Taylor, stop talking to me about him. He's he's Brashard Perryman. I'm sorry. I just I don't want to hear about Taylor in that office. Humphreys is going to be interesting, and I think Humphreys may actually hurt these other guys because he's going to you have Delaney Walker and you have Humphreys in a quarterback with some questionable accuracy a guy like Humphreys is going to be a nice little safety blanket he's going to be uh, uh Julian Edelman sounds ridiculous but that kind of guy that type of possession guy I think you're going to see lots of receptions you know had 55 61 and 76 grabs his last three years yeah he's going to get those kind of numbers not big yardage not big touchdown numbers and then delaney walker quite was, similar you're going from Jameis winston to, to marcus mariota yeah. nobody can say that there, there's a, a huge difference in either one of these guys so i don't see where a whole lot of difference with adam humphrey yeah, humphrey's been there he's done that all right Ray, we got to get going yes I'm indeed not working as much every time as we did last week head out west and when you talk about the west first thing you got to talk about is pat mahomes and the chiefs yeah, I mean, you look, th- this team is, is is just a boatload of talent, especially if Tyreek Hill does not get suspended. That's the biggie. Um, look, Mahomes, is he the number one guy? He's, he's obviously the number one guy in ADPs right now. I'm still tending a little bit with Andrew Luck um, having a huge year, but Mahomes is special. Yeah, and, he is. He's going to regress a little bit. I don't think you can repeat that. Right. But – he that's the word he's special he's gonna he makes plays he finds a way he's gonna put up pretty similar numbers so when you say regression everybody tends to agree there's gonna be some regression but he isn't regressing to 3,800 no. yards and 21 touchdowns that that ain't gonna happen dude special look you can talk about Andrew Luck you, you can talk about anybody else you want it's Mahomes pretty clearly if not he's um, just a half a tick behind whoever you happen to prefer. I think he keeps that offense moving. What's fascinating to me, or at least interesting to me here, is you brought it up slightly earlier, this running back situation. We don't have the big name there. What's Damian Williams ever done? I mean, I mean, honestly, what, what's he ever done? Damian, Damian Williams was pushed out of Miami in favor of Kenyon Drake. Right. He had a big, what, four games with Kansas City? Something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd really had to pull it up, um, which we can do. It's not a big deal. But that's basically it. That's his resume. But I think more than that, Rick, it is what this guy can do in an Andy Reid offense. Right. Exactly. I mean, look, Andy Reid has a history. You go back at, you know, you've got your Brian Westbrooks. You've got your LaShawn McCoys. You've got – the, I'm trying to think of all the guys that, that were with him, you know, the, even the IJE and so forth. Nice. IJE. Yes, thank you. Always productive, always top-notch running backs. Right. Yeah. In this Deuce offense, Staley, yeah. again, you know, back in the late early Eagles, early in his career. So, no, I mean, I really like this guy with Andy Reid. Can he be uh, an every down back and get the workload some of these guys can? I think that's why they brought in Carlos Hyde. Yeah. yeah. Look, I think by default, Damian Williams is going to be tremendous, right? I mean, coming off of, you know, with the Chiefs, average five yards of carry, got in the end zone four times, had 23 catches, got in the end zone twice more there. 
if Pat Mahomes is what we think he's going to be, if the Chiefs are what we think they're going to continue to be offensively, Damian Williams is going to be the beneficiary of that. So I say that, what has he ever done? He's never done nothing. He is an unknown commodity. He's, he's going to have to succeed. He can't help but succeed. He is going to be, you know, in that conversation of a mid to low end RB1 just based on that. Carlos Hyde is the guy I think is going to get overdrafted. I don't think he benefits from that as much. If Damian Williams proves he can do what needs done in this offense, I think Carlos Hyde's going to be really limited. Here's a dude had a couple of nice years real early in his career and then has essentially done a whole lot of nothing, and we can't give up on him. We, we don't want to quit him. I think this is all about Damian Williams. Carlos Hyde will be complimentary. He's going to have a game where he gets in the end zone three times or something wild like that and everybody's going to lose their mind it's Damian Williams or bust for me on this team yeah I mean look with the Chiefs last year he only had excuse me he only had uh, the 50 attempts which is interesting and I bet you might not have even known this that was the most rushing attempts he's had in a year. Well, I don't. I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. No, and, and I mean, he averaged five point one yards a carry on the fifty attempts, which was great. The four previous years with Miami, look, it's not the same offense. I understand that forty six attempts, three point nine yards average. Thirty five attempts, three point three. Sixteen attempts, three point seven. Thirty six attempts, three point four. This guy is a three point something a yard carry anywhere else and if Kansas City and every, last year was a magic year as well right. for Kansas City yeah, I don't think you duplicate that year that I, I, I don't think magic. you can so yeah I mean look I think he's going to be great I think he's going to be good but he's not one of the the top-notch studs so no. do not draft him as such now now here's what's interesting we don't got to spend any time talking about Travis Kelsey now you if, know he's like Hopkins if Tyreek Hill is suspended, cut, or otherwise, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Mecole Hardman, if you didn't have a guy named Pat Mahomes at quarterback, would you have any fear of that passing offense when you really think about it? And who becomes the beneficiary of this outside of Kelsey if Tyreek Hill isn't around? Can Sammy Watkins play? I'm not going to say 16. Right. Can Sammy Watkins play 10 games? Right. Who the hell was Demarcus Robinson? Hardeman, as a rookie, boy, you know, this might be for all the talk about Henry and, and every, Harry and everybody, Smith, and Nip, I'm just yelling names now, but for all the talk <laughs> of the rookie wide, rookie, why can't I talk? I got to calm down. Hold on. Yeah, you, you do that. All right. Now I'm going to slow down. With all the talk of the Wookiee. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> The first-year receivers? First-year okay, wide receivers. You Thank you. Thank you. Hardeman might be the guy, especially, like I said, if a Tyreek Hill ends up out or gone, you can't trust Sammy Watkins. Like I said, Robinson will get plenty of grabs just by virtue of being in the building. He's going to have to. Who's because, the dynamic playmaker I mean, there without Tyreek Hill? This is his fourth year. Um and he started 13 games. Now, he, he played in all six. I mean, it's not due to injury. Who are we talking about? We're talking about um, Demarcus Robinson. Oh, okay. Okay? 
because that's what you were talking about. Oh, I thought I was talking about Hardiman. I'm thinking, wait oh, a I'm, I'm sorry. pretty sure he's a rookie. <laughs> oh, pretty. I'm sorry. Wouldn't yeah. swear to it, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I got sidetracked, too, because we brought him in. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, talk about Robinson. But yeah, he's had uh, he had 22 receptions in 2018 and 21 receptions a year before that. And there's just not anything else there. He had four touchdowns last year. His numbers will certainly go up if Hill's suspended, no doubt about that. But where do you draft him? I mean, you just don't have a clue right now. Yeah. I mean, it's all predicated you're on Sammy a, Watkins. Yeah, you're talking about a three- or four-round difference, whether or not Tyreek Hill's going to be there, what you do with Robinson and Hardiman, honestly. Because yeah. you have to assume, right, that Mahomes is still going to throw for 4,500 to 5,000 yards. It's going to have to go somewhere. Either that or it's going to be the first 4,000-yard season by a tight end in history. Yeah. I mean, Travis Kelsey, my God, if Tyreek Hill is gone or suspended for eight games, he might be a top five or six pick in redraft <laughs> leagues, honestly, because right. for those eight games, he's going to be a huge percentage of that offense. I think Damian Williams enters the conversation then as a <laughs> – top five or six running back based on that. Because when you look at it, you can't count on Sammy Watkins to be there. So this becomes about Robinson, Hardeman, and then seven guys named Steve that I'm not going to sit here and try to break down that are going to get up, get numbers. It's going to be all about Kelsey and the running backs. It, all right. Really, really interesting. And, I, and I'm going to um, – I, I think this Tyreek Hill thing is critical, not for only for, you know, the – you know, fantasy implications, obviously. But I'll tell you what, it really, really takes away any doubt in my mind who the best team is in that West. And we're talking about Los Angeles Chargers. Right, right. Um, Phil Rivers, you know he wants one so bad. He's still Phil Rivers. He's going to get his yeah. <laughs> stat-wise. Okay, you got Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. Great set of backs. You've got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. And I'm – very possible could be the dynamic duo of the AFC this year. Mike Williams, I'm on board with. Right. Oh, no question about it. And then Hunter Henry's back. That's a big one. That, that's really big. We know yeah. how much Phil loves and likes and relies on his time. And I end. hope nothing happens to him or Virgil Green in training camp because then we'll have to see Antonio Gates come back for yet <laughs> a 48th season. Yeah, yeah, him and uh, – Frank Gore come rolling in the, <laughs> yeah. the handicap bus together from the old folks home. You know, for me, we don't got to talk about Rivers. We don't have to talk about Melvin Gordon. We don't have to talk about Keenan Allen, Allen and Mike Williams. There, there's two things here that, that I'm watching out for and that I'm interested in when it comes to the Chargers. Number one, after Allen and Mike Williams, you know, we've seen guys like Tyrell Williams and Inman and different guys sort of pop up be that complimentary piece on a one-week basis when, you know, Keenan Allen's got a history of – he doesn't get nicked up. He goes out early and for a long time. You know, William Mike Williams has had some injuries. There really isn't that third guy behind those two. So, for a healthy those two – Travis both, Benjamin's a real question mark. Yeah, adds value to those two, assuming they stay healthy. But I think the most interesting piece here is Eckler, right? I mean, he's coming off a, a massive career year for Melvin Gordon, and Eckler on his own puts up 553 touches, another 39 catches for 403 more touchdowns. I'm curious, where do we think Eckler stands alone? You know, not as part of this group. 
you know, I don't think you get Eckler as a handcuff to Gordon. I think this is a standalone spot play flex type of guy. Is he that guy or is he the the backup to Melvin Gordon for, for most fantasy squad? I think what you say is true, but during a redraft draft, I think the man that has or woman that has Melvin Gordon may snipe him ahead of where you're willing to pay for him. I think him. you probably should. Well, I, there's no doubt that you should. You're right. obviously right. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree. He's certainly going to be a productive guy. He's going to he's he's a um he's Kevin Falk on steroids. That's you know, strange. when it comes to stat-wise. We talk I'll, more about Kevin Falk on this show <laughs> than, any than other anyone show out ever there. has before. <laughs> man love for Kevin Falk on this show. Well, he was a, de- I, I'm with you. a dependable I'm with you. bench fodder, you know, from, from years back. And, you know, I mean, he he was great to have on your bench. Oh, well, gee, so-and-so's got a buy. So-and-so's out with a bad ankle. Plug Throw talking. in Kevin Falk. Seven, eight fantasy points. Don't yeah. have to worry about it. Yeah, no doubt. But I'll tell you, when you look at these numbers with Eckler, right, 900 total yards and six touchdowns, boy, if you're a Leonard Fournette owner, you'd have welcomed that, wouldn't you? Sure. <laughs> you know, that's what that's what I'm looking at. You know, if you want, if you're the Melvin Gordon owner, you're going to have to really overpay. And this might be going back to the days. What was that best year you ever had in the Caveman League? It was Ricky Williams and uh, oh, Ronnie Brown. Ronnie Brown, and you started them both every week, and we laughed at you every week, and it worked every week. I think Eckler's a standalone commodity. While Melvin Gordon, you know, is a top five or six commodity, Eckler's a standalone flex play every week. I think so. You're going to have to pay for him if you're trying to handcuff him with Gordon. Yeah, I I agree 100%. Um, Eckler has proven himself that he can go into the game at any time and San Diego's still rolling. It's not not like, well, we'll take a breather here, you know, it's third and eight and we'll let him run a play. Uh Uh-uh. You know, I mean, yeah, he was 26th. Right. Yeah. In scoring, uh, in, in running back. So, you know. Yeah, I agree well, with you. Low 100%. end two, stand alone. I mean, he outscored in PPR formats. He outscored Sony Michelle. Yeah, he outscored Peyton Barber, who's a starter. He's outscored Mark Ingram, but I think he was uh, suspended last First year. Four games of last right. year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm I'm with you 100. percent All right. Speaking of exciting standalone fantasy players, guys you can hang your hat on are going to take you over the top. Let's go to Denver and talk about Joe Flacco, Rick. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Come on, show some enthusiasm. You are wacko for Flacco, I'm given to understand. No, I mean, look, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bash Joe Flacco any more than in Denver than I did in Baltimore. I don't, I'm never buying the air show that people think Joe Flacco is going that to provide one them. One playoff run it, It's seven just years not. He's ago. got a great arm. I understand that. Will his numbers pick up a little? I think maybe his numbers may pick up some this yeah, year. it's a better offense. It, it's a better Marginally. offense, and it's more quarterback friendly than, than anything right. in Baltimore. I, I'll give you that. Manny Sanders is getting a little long in the tooth coming back from injury. Um, Cortland Sutton. I'm looking for his numbers to tick up some. Coming off of, what, 42, 700 yards, those impressive four touchdowns. Right. I think he ends up being the number one wide receiver on that team. 
I, I agree with you 100%. And there's seven other guys named Joe. In there. And, and I'm, It's about Philip Lindsay, right? I love Philip Lindsay. Yeah. But I also love Royce Freeman. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a team really in the AFC that has a deeper backfield. Fantasy-wise, I don't know if that's a good thing. You know, when you have Freeman, Lindsay, and uh, Devontae Booker still there, hey, I like Lindsay. I think he's a 1,000-yard runner from last year, came out of nowhere. I'm I'm all on board for this guy. He's a great RB, too, I think. Yeah, that's one of my great mistakes of 2018 is I shoved all in on Royce Freeman, you know, and ended up yeah. being on the wrong side of that. You still ran for 500 yards and five touchdowns. But Lindsey goes out and hits the 1,000-yard mark, nine touchdowns, caught 35 balls. I mean, he's an exciting player. He's he's electric. He's one of those guys that just when you watch him run, it just he's got that look about him, right, that you're not going to bring him down. And having a piece like Freeman, who's going to snipe some touchdowns, I think, away from Lindsey, but Lindsey's going to get the bulk of the work, and Freeman's a nice piece, and that'd be a handcuff I'd certainly be interested in. But but Lindsey, yeah, I think we're talking the real deal right here, right now. And I don't know, is there much else to talk about in Denver? Or do we go to what's going to be the greatest soap opera of the year out in Oakland? Yeah. I mean, you're buying into Carr. You're buying into AB. I, I'm looking at this team. Um, you got Jacobs at running back, the rookie. You know, a lot of high expectations with him. So, Oakland is interesting, but like you said, you know, we're, we're heading into the hard knock soap opera. No, I can't wait. Uh, you've got A.B., you've got Perfect, you've got Richie Incognito, you've got Chucky. I mean, this is just going to be And you know great. Marshawn's going to show up at some point, This may point, be right? the first hard knocks I watch. Oh, you got to you gotta watch it. That's appointment television. Yeah. Look, let, let's get into Derek Carr. Looked real good a couple years ago as a young quarterback. Really struggled here recently. You're still talking about a 69% completion percentage, 4,000 yards. The interception numbers are too high. The touchdown numbers are too low. Enter Antonio Brown, who's going to be a real, real nice guy for at least eight or nine weeks here at the start of this season. You bring in Tyrell Williams. How about J.J. Nelson? How about Ryan Grant? How about Hunter Renfro? You not huge names, but outside of Renfro, obviously, three guys who have played meaningful snaps in the National Football League, who have caught meaningful passes. Look, Antonio Brown, be rooting like hell against him. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, he's going to get a hundred balls. He he really is. I just you can't stop him. Derek Carr is good enough to get the ball to him. Nobody at the tight end position. What I am real curious about is how this running back situation start shakes out. You bring in the rookie. You got Jalen Richard coming off. Uh, he's your pass catching back, though, right? Coming off a year, 68 catches, I think it was, a little over 600 yards. You know, DeAndre Washington, you know, what, 3.8 yards a carry last year. It, it's going to be Jacob's job to lose what – Oh, I, do, it's, I don't. Know. It's his job. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if he comes through training camp, look, you know, Isaiah Crowell went down way early. I mean, you know, and that predicated what Oakland had to do. Right, they had to bring in somebody because you didn't want to head into 2019 with Jalen Richard or Muscle Hell Hamster yeah. as your running back one. Simple as that. I ain't never seen no talking with me nothing. And still out there. We don't know where you're at. <laughs> So I think it's going to be interesting. You got Derek Carr. Action, 
You got uh, Mike Glennon backing them up. And, and of course, the Peterman's there. So you oh, know the quarterback yeah. situation is golden. No matter what happens, you get down to the Peterman, yeah. you're going to win football. Games. <laughs> you're going to win the Super Bowl. Championship. Championship. Poor Peterman. I tell you what, I feel for him. But really, I think the only thing interesting here from a fantasy perspective is, you know, when you draft Josh Jacobs, I think he's a real good flyer, real good mid mid to late round running back. You know, could pay dividends as a you know, really fantasy-relevant contributor. And what does happen with Antonio Brown? I cannot see a scenario, barring injury, which has never been a part of Antonio Brown's career, where he doesn't have 100 catches because that's just what he does. He catches 100 balls. Give me the scenario, Rick, where this is a failure, at least in year one. I can't come up with it. No, and I believe that uh, it's going to help. You know, you would thought Amari Cooper would have been an asset to Derek Carr, but they never could seem to have any connection. Right. I, I, you know, I mean, we, we saw flashes that of it. That might be the argument for it, though, right? Look what Amari Cooper did when he got Going out to of Dallas. Going- is it Derek Carr? I mean, you see Maybe that. Maybe. You know, well. That's that, the argument for it, I guess. Now, right? okay, that that's, there's your question. Was it Amari Cooper and Carr couldn't get along or they just couldn't have sync? Amari Cooper had no problem with Dak Prescott. No, that's for sure. I mean, is Antonio Brown going to be 100 and some catches with Derek Carr? And there you go. I mean, because when things start going wrong, yeah, AB's not happy. No, hey, when AB's so, not happy, ain't nobody ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy. So, you know, I, look, I, I'm going with Brown as still, you know, we're we're in a uh, a league right now. We're drafting. We got him in the second round. You know, I mean, yeah, he's not with Hopkins right now. He's not with uh, – you know, name a couple other ones, maybe Amari Cooper or right. so forth, but he's still going to be a top-notch receiver, I think, no matter what. Yeah, I don't think he can help it. All right. All right, let's we get out of here. get the heck out of here. Why we keep working all this overtime? We, our pay certainly doesn't rise, that's for sure. No. So, all right. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week. You can go ahead and follow your boys at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out everything they go on, they have going on over at Full Time Fantasy at fulltimefantasy.com. I, I keep wanting to throw a sports. I keep wanting to throw a sports on there, and I don't know why. It's fulltimefantasy.com at fulltimefantasy on the tweeters. We'll be back next week. Same time, same channel. Till then, we'll see you. Take care.